Good morning, everyone. Um, so we're looking at John's Gospel, uh, chapter 14, and we're really going to look at just the first sort of six verses. I have the whole chapter, and I haven't, uh, I won't get very far uh, <laughs> through it. Um, so, yeah, you can get that up in your Bibles, and of course I will uh, put it up on the screen. Um, if this message had a title, uh, which I think the title will just be uh, The Way, The Truth, and The Life, because that's uh, the m- kind of the most famous verse that's really in this chapter, uh, but I think another title could be uh, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, which is the first uh, sentence in here. So I want to give a little bit of context to the chapter that we're about to read, um, and kind of a bit of context to this part, this portion of John's Gospel. We talked a lot about John's Gospel being really uh, well-written, well-constructed. John had uh, an agenda in mind. He really wants us to see Jesus and see Jesus for who he really is. That's why we've called this sermon series The Real Jesus. Um, and John is concerned with our seeing Jesus as, uh, as not just a prophet, not just someone who um, speaks true words from God, not just someone who uh, can give us good instructions, good life advice, not just someone who can perform amazing miracles, not just someone who can give us, tell us the secret to everlasting life, but John is concerned that we see Jesus as God, and not just God, but as the way, the truth, and the life. That's what he. That's what he's on about, and so, Every single chapter and everything that we've read up till now and what we'll continue to read is is pointing to that, is showing that, is trying to lead us in our hearts to seeing Jesus for who he really is as the son of God, as God himself and as the means for salvation, the means of salvation, our hope, our security um, and our comfort and our hope. Yeah, that's that's what uh, John is about and that's what we're about this morning. Um, this is the gospel, the good news that, that God has saved us, and that's uh, a big part of what we'll talk about this morning. So uh, the context of this chapter, it's another I am verse. Uh, it, I am the way, the truth, and the life that we're going to look at. Uh, there are seven I am verses in John's gospel. I think maybe we mentioned this before, how um, you know there is that I am... Uh, I, I am the light of the world, I am the bread of life, uh, I am uh, the good shepherd, I am the door, uh, and this is number six uh, in the, the list of seven I am statements. The reason there's seven is because seven is a perfect number that uh, describes um, kind of wholeness, completion, perfection. God created the world in six days, in seven days, on the seventh day he rested, it says in Genesis. So this picture became shorthand for, became like a symbol of completion, this number seven. And so when John records seven sayings of Jesus saying, I am, John's saying that Jesus really is completely and wholly that thing. And the other important part is that I am is the words that God uses uh, all the way back in Genesis. Moses is in front of the burning bush and he's been told by God, go and set my people free, the Israelites who are slaves in Egypt. And Moses says to God, who am I going to say sent me? And God says, say, I am that I am sent me. Say, I am sent me. This is God's name. 
It's actually where we get the word Yahweh and Jehovah. They come from the Hebrew way of writing, I am that I am. It's God's name. So when Jesus says, I am, the Jews of the day were like, that's blasphemy. And they pick up stones to throw it at him. So that being under no ambiguity, don't uh, be confused for a minute. When Jesus says, I am, seven times in John's gospel, he's saying, I am God fully and completely. I labour this point because so many people uh, forget that and there are many people that call themselves Christians that think Jesus is an angel, that he was just a good guy, that he was like a prophet, that he was maybe the best human that ever lived. And he isn't. He's God. And that's why the gospel can be effective for us. Um, I haven't pressed start on my counter, so... <laughs> we'll see how long we get from now. <laughs> that didn't count. Um, great. This uh, scripture, uh, John 14, um, it's the day before the crucifixion. It's Thursday night. Jesus is crucified on Friday. This is uh, Jesus's last words. We tend to think of last words as super important. You can Google it and you can look at all the different things. Some people uh, say really funny things as their last words. And some people say really profound things. I've not got any last words up to show you uh, other than Jesus's, which is what we're looking at. If, anyone, if anyone's last words are worth us pouring over and giving our full attention to, it's Jesus's. Um, I was really encouraged last night. Um, we went for our prayer walk around Gothenburg, 5.2K, praying all around the city. 5.25K. And, uh, whoa, that extra point not five. Um, but one of the things that, that came back, independently of that, when we, we got back in and people said, you know, I really want to get stuck in to God's word. I really want to, to, to dig in here. And, uh, and that encourages me because as I've been pouring over this chapter way more than is necessary, I've, I've just been blown away by the truth of who God is in Jesus by the truth of uh, who God is for us and the impact that that makes. And, I, and so I've been blown away afresh. And so if I can ride on that encouragement to dig in to the word of God, it's truth to us. It reveals Jesus to us. Um, then I'd like to encourage you guys, especially this chapter and these, these three chapters, 14, 15 and 16, uh, we saw last week, Chapter 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Uh, it's this first act of servant-hearted love. And Josh spoke brilliantly on, on kind of what that meant, uh, both literally and symbolically, what it means for us and how we can be like Jesus and serving one another. So if you weren't here last week, I recommend listening to that on the website. Um, but it's what happens in the rest of that chapter uh, is that Jesus starts to say things that uh, start to upset the disciples. The disciples. He says that he's he's going, and they're thinking, "But we've only just got here. Uh, only uh, a few days, four days before that, um, Jesus has ridden in on the donkey. They've all been singing Hosanna. They've been welcoming in the King that they think is going to kick out the Romans and set up a, a, a everlasting kingdom." Of, of Jewish nation. That's what they think is going to happen four days previous. And now, Thursday night, Jesus says, uh, you know, first he washes their feet, which is scandalous, and then he says, I'm going, I'm going. 
And they're like, what? And he says, also, one of you is going to betray me. And they're like, what? Then they, then Jesus uh, does this thing with Judas. He gives, he says, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'll show you who's going to betray me and gives the, the bread to Judas. And Judas then leaves and goes. He's, um, he's given up. I think maybe there's loads of things that could have gone on in his mind, but he's just called it quits there. This is it. He's going. And if he can get some money uh, off this uh, Jesus before it's all over, he's going to do it. Judas goes off and reveals um, his heart is, is not for Jesus. It's for financial gain. And so Jesus is left with the 11 disciples of which Peter is, the, is probably the leader of them all. He's kind of the most gung-ho. He's the most vo- vocal, outly spoken. And then Jesus says, oh, and Peter, you're going to deny me. So the rest of them are thinking, he's leaving. We've got a betrayer in our midst. And Peter, he's going to deny Jesus. So verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. That's the context that Jesus is speaking into here. Uh, as well, uh, we've got uh, this, this then starts and begins uh, the, the whole theme of these three chapters, 14, 15, and 16. And then in ver- uh, chapter 17 is this high priestly prayer. Jesus prays to God the Father. And these three, uh, four chapters, the theme of uh, comforting, the theme of uh, kind of coming in and giving a hope, is, is really what Jesus is about. In his last words, what he's going to do for these disciples is he's trying to unpack his most personal, his most tender truths. And he's going to try and give them uh, some, some hope to bolster them. What's amazing is that in chapter 17, Jesus prays, he says, um, you know, I've said all these things, Father. I, I pray all these things, Father, not just for these 11 disciples, but for all who will believe uh, on me because of what they say. So that includes all of us. So we can say with confidence that these chapters 14, 15, 16, this prayer of 17, is for us today. That might not be so profound, but it really impacted me to realize as Jesus is talking to these 11 disciples, he's really talking to us in exactly the same way. So can I encourage you to read all of chapter 14, 15, and 16, maybe this afternoon, and 17, um, and read it for you. And it's uh, the hope of, of, of joy for us in our life. Okay, let's read the text, and I'll pray, and we'll dig into just uh, the first sort of six or seven verses of, uh, of the chapter. Um, John 14, we'll read, we'll read 1 to 14. It says... Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. 
Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, uh, who dwells in me, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What amazing uh, verses. If I can just pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we pray, would you reveal your Son to us this morning, that we might see him and, uh, and worship him. Lord, I pray would you uh, bring a comfort and a peace and a security and assurance to our hearts as we dwell upon the words that you spoke so uh, tenderly, so lovingly to your disciples. I pray, Lord, would you just uh, seal it to us that we, our hearts would be uh, overflowing with joy this morning to know that our God in heaven loves us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I'll keep that open. There. So, the disciples are in uh, turmoil. They're in upset. This uh, do not let your hearts be troubled is my first point. I've got three points, three points, I can count, um, three points. And uh, I, I hope that they naturally flow on from one another. Um, and uh, but we need to start here with the context of where the disciples are at. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Their hearts were troubled. That word um, troubled kind of means like boiling water. It's that image of an unsettled. It's not the placid water you see before you here. It's boiling water, bubbles and movement. And, and uh, it's, it could be anxious. It could be heartbreak. It could be uh, like turmoil. Uh, their hearts are troubled because Jesus is going. They've been with him for three years. They've seen all the things that he's done. They were, their hopes were set on him being uh, this, some, this, this king, and they were going to be his right-hand men. They were going to be princes in his kingdom in their minds. This is what they think is going to happen. Uh, and uh, it's all coming out from under their feet. It's all crashing down on them, and uh, they're starting to panic. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You see, um, Jesus doesn't take away the thing that's troubling them. He doesn't say, ooh, okay, you didn't take that so well, fine, I'll stay. It, <laughs> he doesn't remove the problem, but rather he puts it in a, in a different perspective. So what he's going to do now in the remaining chapters, and I'm going to touch on uh, one of the things that he says to help put it in perspective and the rest of the chapter and the next chapters are going to carry on um, he, he starts to put their problem into the right perspective he says okay you got a problem but look at it this way don't let your hearts be troubled there's something in, implicit there is that they have the ability to turn their hearts around they have the ability to 
untrouble their hearts. They have the ability, something, it's possible if your heart is troubled, if you're anxious, if you're uh, suffering a problem, it is possible uh, to, to change your outlook on it. It's what Jesus is saying. And he's going to give them the help and us the help to do that. Um, he's going to say, uh, in, in, we're going to look at uh, this, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house. That's his immediate kind of encouragement to them. It, it's better that I go. Yes, I'm going, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. But he also says in the rest of uh, the chapter 14 that I'm going to send another comforter, an advocate. The Holy Spirit's going to come. It's better that I go. The Holy Spirit's going to come. Uh, and then he says in, in, in chapter 16 or 17, no, 16, uh, your sorrow will turn to joy. And I just wanted to highlight that in. There's other things in there. But these whole three chapters are about don't let your heart be troubled because these things. And we're just going to. Um, look at uh, this first one this morning Uh, so do not let your hearts be troubled I believe that um, that for some of us this morning this might just be where we where we where we rest uh, on this because I think that God does the same thing with us wants to do the same thing to us and help give perspective to the problem that we're in the situation that we have. I think God wants to say, yes, there's a problem and I'm not going to take it away, but I will change your perspective. And so maybe, maybe we need to pray in faith and say, God, help me see your perspective on this. Help me see what you mean by this. Help me see what you're going to do through this. And I don't believe that we see that straight away. The disciples didn't get this straight away. Jesus says these three chapters worth of like last words to them. But still the next day when he's crucified, they scatter and go wild. No one says, yeah, but guys, he said this would happen. They, Peter still denies Jesus. They all still scatter. They're still walking on the road and Jesus comes. They don't know it's him. And they're like, oh, it's really bad. Our Messiah died. You know, they still, they don't get it in the moment, even though Jesus explains it. Crucially, it's not till the Holy Spirit comes into their life that they get it. So... What we need to ask for this morning is that the Holy Spirit comes and reveals to us the perspective that God wants us to have on our situation. That might be where some of us are this morning, and it is where some of us will be at some point in our life. But what does uh, Jesus say to them this in, uh, straight away? I go, in my Father's house, uh, there are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. Um, this is uh, an amazing encouragement. I think uh, what we, they, the, these guys, you read it, they kind of really get confused. They get really hung out, hung up on it. Uh, Thomas is like, but wait, how can we get there? And they're like, yeah, but show us the father. They, they're really struggling. What Jesus is saying here, uh, my father's house, um, is that it's uh, a picture of, of heaven. It's a picture of eternity. I think that's the simplest way to read what Jesus is Um, saying here there's only one other time in the gospel of john that jesus uh, says this and it's uh, at the beginning of the of the gospel where he goes into the temple and he sees the the money lenders like doing the money thing and he's like outraged and he kicks them out and he says you've made my father's house a den of robbers 
And uh, the image there is that the temple is the place on earth where God's presence dwells. Uh, and this is a theme throughout all the Old Testament, uh, is that where God is, uh, that's, that's the presence, uh, that, that's the place, that's the most holy place, it's the place we want to be. Um, and Jesus says, I'm going to go and prepare you a place in my Father's house, in the presence of God. Um, what uh, the Bible has lots of words, lots of images to describe heaven. Heaven can be called uh, like a country. It's referred to as a country in the Bible, which gives this impression of size. You know, heaven's really big. Uh, or a city, which is, you know, it's lots of people there. It's populated, it's bustling. Um, it's sometimes described as a kingdom. Jesus uses that language a lot, which gives the impression of kind of rule and order and justice, security. Uh, or paradise as well. We often say, think of it as paradise, it's beautiful glorious, beautiful to, to look at, beautiful to be in. But when Jesus says, I, tend, I prepare a place in my father's house, it's because it's about family. Heaven is about relationship. It's about proximity and, and, and familiarity. It's about knowing God. It's about him being our father and us being uh, his children. In, the, uh, in those days, uh, what happened, uh, people would build a house and then your children would grow up and uh, instead of kind of moving out and having their own house, they'd kind of get married and they'd, they'd come and live with you and you'd just build an extension. Lots of houses were basically tents and you just put another tent on the side. And uh, your next child would get married, you just put another tent on. And so the tents kind of, you got this like, like multiplication of tents. All, but it's all still one house, but there's many rooms. And that's the picture here. Um, there's no... Uh, some people talk about mansions in heaven and it's sometimes translated as mansions and think that's incorrect there's one house with many rooms we are all invited to the father's house so there's no uh, favoritism we're all there it's about family uh, when jesus says i go to prepare a place for you um, this starts to uh, unfold the the whole meaning of the way the truth and the life that's probably the most famous uh, phrase in this chapter i'm the way the truth and the life and a confession for you i always found it really strange because i understand jesus showing the way i understand jesus like telling the truth i understand him like being providing life or showing how to get life but being those things kind of is a strange way to talk and I think we start to see why he says that here, because um, when you think about it, Jesus says, um, in my father's house there's many rooms, and I'm going, it's good that I go because I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, you could get the image, the idea that what Jesus is saying is, uh, it's, it's not quite finished yet. It's, it's good that I go because I need to like, you know, I need to dust it. There's a song that I really liked and I remember Chloe listened to it and she's like, those lyrics are way, way off. Uh, and it's a song that I always sang when I was younger and it was the idea that if God took six days to make the earth and how amazing it is and Jesus has been gone for all this time, preparing a place for us in heaven for all of this time, how amazing is heaven going to be? <laughs> it, that was the logic of it. And uh, whatever you think about that, uh, I don't think that's what is meant here. 
because heaven is, is God's presence. And so it's perfect already. There's nothing needed. Jesus isn't like going like, to hoover the place before we come round. He's not like, doesn't need a lick of paint. It's already perfect. So what does he mean then by I go to prepare a place for you? Well, he means this. The only imperfect thing that could be in heaven is you or I. We don't deserve to be there. We would be introducing imperfection if we were to appear there. We would be, we would be the odd one out. I think of myself, I would be the odd one out were I to go. It would be weird for me to be there. The other image that Jesus uses, the, the, the Father's house image on earth, that was the temple. In the temple, when um, the, the temple was uh, kind of a, a bigger version of the tabernacle, which was made first, Moses made it when he, was, he comes, comes out of Egypt, comes out of um, uh, the land of Egypt with all the Israelites, they're out of slavery, they're in the wilderness, and God's, uh, Moses speaks to God on the mountain, and, uh, and there's the glory there. The glory of God is, is shining all around. And, uh, and at some point, uh, God uh, says, make a, a place, a dwelling place for me so I can dwell, I can live with you guys. And the glory cloud comes down and everyone sees it. It's amazing and it comes and it lives. It dwells in the tabernacle in this tent structure. Um, and it dwells in the very middle part called the Holy of Holies. And then uh, the... Then later, much later on, David uh, and then Solomon build the temple uh, and the, the glory transfers itself and God comes to live in the temple. And uh, a fascinating um, thing I, I always think is that the, the high priest would go in there once a year, would go into the Holy of Holies uh, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and he'd do a blood offering for all the people. And there's the only day he could go in. You couldn't go into the Holy of Holies because you'd die, because you weren't worthy to be there. You couldn't go into God's presence. It's just presumed that you could just walk in to God's presence. So one day of the year, he'd do like a sacrifice so he could get in. He'd tie a rope around him. He'd hand the other end to his mates and he'd be like, or the other priests, and he'd be like, right, if I don't come out in five minutes, you know that the sacrifice wasn't worthy. That lamb that we cut, you know, that it wasn't a perfect spotless lamb, that there was something wrong with the offering, or else there's something wrong with my heart, there's some sin that I hadn't paid for, something, you know, there's something that I hadn't done right, I hadn't done the rituals right, there could be something that would mean when I walk into God's presence, it might be it, it might be over, he knew that was a possibility, tie the rope around, pull my body out, if I don't come back out, you know, and then he'd go in, and that's once a year, that's what it meant to walk into God's presence. But Jesus says he's going to prepare a place for us. And so the problem is, how? If the high priest couldn't even go in more than once a year and he had to do all this stuff, how, how is that possible? Well, that's the preparation that Jesus is going to do. Because he's going to go via the cross. That's the preparation. The cross is the preparation. I'm, I'm going to make a way for you to get there. I'm going to make it possible for you to come. You see, this now makes sense of the claim that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because Jesus is saying, I'm going, I'm going via the cross. 
And so if you have any hope of making it into the presence of God, you have to go via me. You have to come through me. You have to be in me to do it. Uh, it could be uh, an exclusive claim. Uh, the, this is the, the gospel message, isn't it, of course, is that uh, we as humans uh, don't live perfect lives. We don't meet up to uh, the kind of even, even a simple standard of do unto others as you do unto us as you'd have done to you. I don't live up to that. Uh, so we have this issue, this problem, and Jesus takes our sin upon himself on the cross making a way for us to come through this is the gospel and it is an exclusive claim and actually many people would take issue with this sentence i actually had a conversation with a colleague recently who said but do you really believe that your god is the only god and that people that believe in a different god are wrong do you really do you really believe that uh and I had to say yes. And the reason is because the problem that we have as human beings can only be solved one way. The way of the cross. The way that Jesus solved the problem. But I don't think it's exclusive. I actually think it's much more inclusive. Because if Jesus is the way, the truth and the life... If it's through Jesus and what he did, and that by believing in faith in the work of Jesus, then I can't buy my way in. And you can't fast or pray your way in. You can't kind of do enough good things to kind of deserve it. You can't give enough charitable donations to earn it. You can't uh, kind of be beautiful and have a, a fit and healthy body enough to, to earn it um, or, or to be worthy of it perhaps you you know you can't be from a prestigious family or have a, a heritage that goes back years and years and years um, it's free but it also means that you can't price yourself out of it you can't be too poor you can't be too broken as a person you kind of can't uh, do enough kind of bad to, to undeserve it either it, it's open for absolutely anyone you don't have to fulfill any criteria to get there we talk about this quite a lot because we this is called grace and we love it here at good first but it but it's absolutely mind-blowing and i thought i was thinking why some of us would reject this or why why it would be rejected this idea and i think partly um some of the reasons why people reject this way of coming to God, the way of Jesus, and they actually would prefer to earn their way in, is because it allows you to boast. It allows you to be proud of yourself. Well, I deserve it. Unfortunately, we don't. So if that's how people think, then they're going to be mistaken, sorely mistaken. And the other reason I thought that people would reject this and they would say, well, I, I, I don't deserve it, or I don't feel that way, is actually because there is a, a fleeting desire, and there is a fleeting pleasure of sin that lies to us and tells us that it's worth continuing and being the way I am. I would rather enjoy this life and these pleasures 
than accept that Jesus has paid for me to go to and be with the Father. So there are reasons why people would reject this truth. But, uh, but it is the truth, and it is quite exclusive. But I think as a church, and we, we prayed about this last night, and it was part of a picture that I uh, feel God gave me, was that the gospel um, can be quite offensive to people. The gospel, um, it, it's like, uh, you know, it, it can be a shock to people. It can seem offensive. It can seem dangerous. It can seem like, uh, you know, scary to people because it means that we've got nothing to boast in, because it means we've got nothing to hide behind, because it means that, you know, I'm accepted as I am. And that can be scary. But it also is the only thing that can cut the bonds that we have. The picture I had was of, of weapons that were rusty and uh, God was gonna sharpen them and that those weapons were, were the gospel. And I, I feel as a church, as a group, and as churches in Sweden, um, we wanna be proud of the gospel. Because Jesus is the way that we get to the Father. He's the truth that we, we believe in uh, when we get there and now. And he's the everlasting life that we, uh, that we get to live because of what he did. So, to finish, I think the message here... Uh, in this chapter and in uh, the, this passage uh, is, is don't let your heart be troubled. Be encouraged. Jesus, Jesus is saying all of these things, isn't he, uh, to his disciples because their hearts are, are troubled. And what blows my mind is that three chapters in this big long prayer for them, for them and for us, is less than 24 hours before he goes to the cross. If that's our Saviour's love for us. That's our Saviour's love demonstrated to them and it shows his heart for us as well. Whatever we're going through, we know that Jesus has a plan, he has a place for us, that he has made a way for us via the cross so that we can live an eternal life in the Father's house in presence and in proximity to God. No fear of, of, of the holiness of God for us as sons and daughters, we enter boldly into the throne of grace, as it says in Hebrews. So uh, let me pray for us to finish. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are our great God, Lord, we thank you that you made it possible for us to be called sons and daughters of God, that we are welcomed in to the Father's house. Lord, I thank you that now in this life we have the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to speak to us. Lord, I pray would your Spirit confirm the truth of who you are and what you've done with the gospel news of, of your, uh, your uh, blood shed for us, your body broken for us, that we can enter in to uh, everlasting life. Lord, would you confirm that to our hearts? Would you uh, cement that into us? Would you build that deep, deeper into foundations of our soul? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.